And we are live. This is Late Night Dice, and it is the only place where you're going to find this type of quality banter between three people that really know what they're doing. <laughs> uh-huh. I am uh, Alex Blue Cobalt Durham. You can find me at Alex underscore Durham 120 on Twitter, and occasionally I stream twitch.tv slash Blue Cobalt 120. And I'm Nick Marshmallow Ninja Durham. His Older brother. I don't really do the Twitter thing, but you can probably contact me through twitch.tv slash Marshmallow Ninja. And you should tell them that it's spelled wrong. Oh yeah, it's absolutely spelled wrong. There's no I. Character limits <laughs> in, uh, no in, old, in old video games, right? Oh yeah. Anyway, um, my name properly is Ryan Blake Hall, which also happens to be my Twitter handle, just at Ryan Blake Hall. But, um... Online, I generally just go by the name Mars, and you can find me at twitch.tv slash marsthemanor. I, too, sometimes stream. Lately, I've been doing um, Tales of Berseria, and that's going to finish next week. All right, so this came about as us three being late-night people and also playing a lot of D&D. We play D&D almost every weekend, but you know what? We want we want more. <laughs> so... uh yeah, we we've been uh we've been playing D and D together, the, the three of us. We started together about oh, I want to say about seventeen years ago. Yep. I was a, I was a, a wee long baby. time. Barely remember any of the early years. Third edition. Yeah, we were all kids. Basically, it was Stranger Things, <laughs> but like younger, <laughs> just a little bit. Not all the same age. Not all the same age either. I'm I'm the oldest. Uh, Alex here is the youngest, and Nick is the middlest. Middlest, yeah, the middlest. Yeah, I'm so middle. There's only one. He has to be the middlest. So, um, why are we doing this? And what are we? Doing? Right. So, uh, we want to play D and D whenever we want, and we want to try live streaming it slash making it into a podcast. We're gonna try and make all our games audio friendly, which will be easier for this. Session, session zero, since it's just audio. There's a lot of setup and testing stuff and world building. Yes, today is world building. We each have an amount of things we have brought to the table. <laughs> I gave them homework. Yes, Ryan assigned homework. Ryan has, I think, 30 things. I have five, which is in the assigned five to ten. <laughs> and Nick has, like, one. Yeah. So Yeah, I, I told them to do five to ten, so Alex actually did the minimum. Uh, Nick did less than the minimum, and I did way beyond the maximum. Yeah. So we're the basically the idea behind this is that we're all nocturnal and we we do play D D like oh, a lot. Like very frequently. I am in like five different campaigns right now yeah. and I'm looking to start my own next year sometime. Yeah, it gets harder to uh, schedule things during the holiday, but yeah, like I said, almost every weekend, at least one game. So what we want to do with this is that because the three of us are around and available at night together pretty often, we want to essentially have like a, a cozy pickup game whenever we want to do one. That'll just be hopefully really chill and not be so heavily involved and super like serious and like, causing me to tear my hair out from how complicated the story is. Yes, hopefully. And we don't have a world that we can just have. If we wanted to do that right now, we would have to create almost everything. Yeah, what we're trying we, to do here is basically make a setting that we can throw something basically into. Basically a world yes. where we can do mostly one-shots in, right? That's, that's yeah, sort yeah. of the idea. Or if, if we like it, then we can we can extend it beyond yeah. that. That's how several of my campaigns have started in the past. Sure. 
uh, or and world or worlds for that matter. Like mm-hmm. if we just decide that this world that we made is dumb and bad, we can just abandon <laughs> ship and make something new. Or we could even circle back around to it later if we decide to feel inspired by it at some point. Possibilities are in fact endless, just like the game itself. Um, and we'll be doing fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons for this, by the way. We started with third edition and cut our teeth on it, mostly three point five for a long, 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 long time. A couple of years ago, we adopted 5th edition and fell in love, and we are sticking with that. It's so good. So uh, the setting we are creating here is, you know, basic fantasy setting, standard. We're trying to take it easy for this first yeah, one. Yeah, standard sort Just do of. something that we're all accustomed to doing. Yeah, standard sort of, like, rules and races that 5th edition would have. Yeah, things might shift around depending on what sort of ideas we're throwing out. Um, but the idea of, like, humans, elves, dwarves, like, those kinds of standard things, Tolkien-esque fantasy setting with um differences something to make it our own mm-hmm. and we have not discussed with each other ahead of time what ideas we have it's all going to be surprises in discussion and brainstorming yeah so do you want to start off with uh, one of your ideas ryan yeah sure that's uh i'm good with that i'm gonna start us off with how about some geography I've got a, a huge list here and i'm just gonna pick something out um okay so do you guys want like a like a macro level geography thing or like something more um, drilled down and specific? Let's do macro. For Here, that. let's start Just big. Get a good idea. Okay, yeah, something to help us like kind of get a visual in our mind of what this world looks like. Sure. Well, uh, how about I have a like the name of a realm like a part of the world here that i i thought up and immediately fell in love with uh the swallowed land Hmm. and i don't yet know what that means i have a few different ideas about what it could mean but i just i liked that name like that's a name that people like in this world like everybody knows this one like big place this one like landmass or part of the landmass everyone calls it the swallowed i have something See, that's interesting, because that actually ties into the one single thing that I had really? brought up. Yeah. <laughs> right um, out the gate. All so, right. Okay. Yeah. First it out. So, so, so that's called Swallowed Lane, and mine's actually pretty specific. Okay. But what if, in this Earth-like setting, because that's what we decided on earlier, mm-hmm. underground, just across the entire planet, there are chained beings, be it giant golems, be it stuff like that. And Swallowed Land could definitely be something where, I don't know, it caved in. Interesting. So, like, so, all of the, the people of this land, or whatever whatever creatures dwelled there, they were swallowed up, and, like, they're still there. They're just underground and chained up for some reason now. Well, no, I'm saying, like, maybe, well, maybe they are. Who knows? But just across the world, there's, like, these underground temples, basically, of these chained up golems. Huge, massive, ancient things. Oh, yeah, that's really cool. So yeah, maybe like one of these giant chambers that holds this titanic golem of immense power Mm -hmm. for some reason or another uh, fell into itself, and it's now a gaping hole in the landscape. Yeah, that's, I think, at the forefront of my mind. Every time I think about the swallowed land, like I I think about a gaping hole in the Mm -hmm. land somewhere that just, like, it looks like it just collapsed inward like it it doesn't look like it was carved away it doesn't look like that it doesn't look like a crater or anything like it just looks like it fell maybe that's like how people first discovered these things underground 
Like they've oh. been there. Oh, the the temples. Yeah, like they've yeah. been there so long. Everyone maybe forgot about it. Maybe they were made by people that no one even knows about. Okay, so the underground temples predate the swallowed. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Like already, already we have like an adventure hook, like mystery thing. Like that's that might be like a, a big ticket adventure where a group of people are trying to like uncover the truth about the temples of the swallowed land. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, that's really cool. All right, um, who lives there? So, or is it like completely abandoned? I was thinking like abandoned. Ooh, maybe there was a city there. Yeah, there was a city that was built on top of it. But the entire thing grew too large. There are too many people in there, so it fell. It Let me collapsed. ask you this: uh, a city or a kingdom, like mm. bigger? Ooh, yeah. How, how big do you want this to be? I was thinking, like yeah. the entire giant cave system is like all connected, all like one ancient kingdom. Yeah. Like, imagine if like Texas just collapsed exactly. underground. Yes, yes. Like, the whole thing gone, and it's it's like so far down, and it happened so long ago. Like all the ancient castles. And- walls and everything has just crumbled into a mess presumably if you get down there you could make your way through the ancient castles and stuff but i like um, what's down there now i like the mystery that we're creating here i've i kind of want this to be like a through line for um this entire world like because the more mysteries you have the more potential for adventure you create right the nature of adventure is in exploring the unknown whether it's like physical things or like just uh like your own potential as a person and like rising to meet some crisis head on like it's all about exploring the unknown so the more mysteries we create the more adventures we can have in this world so to that end i'm thinking we haven't covered this yet but i'm kind of nipping in the bud let's not define why the land was swallowed let's leave that open yeah, sounds it good. It happened, and that's all people know. <laughs> How do they know it happened? I mean, obviously the ground joke, right? Mm. Maybe like <laughs> tales have been passed down from the survivors. Let's move on. I think let's leave the swallowed land for now because that's that's already like ripe with potential. I love that. Thanks for uh, playing with me on on that idea. Yeah. Um, I have. I do have something I think could work with Swallowed Land, but I'll circle back around to that later. So how about... Okay, this is something that I liked. It's sort of like a cultural geography. Okay. So you you know lighthouses. Sure. (laughs) No, what are they? (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked, Nick. Lighthouses are, you know what lighthouses are. They're they're towers <laughs> that you put at like the edge of the seaside and they have a light that serves as a huge miles long beacon to help navigate ships away from dangerous parts of the shore and make sure they get to like a safe shoreline to dock at or something. Oh, you mean giant water candles? A giant water candle. Water candle sounds. Um, so you you said a different name for a lighthouse, and that's what I was about to hit you with. So <laughs> Something better than water candle, um, hopefully. Uh, yeah, torch towers. Oh, torch towers. So well, I had this idea for lighthouses that are on land that oh, are, so... are referred to as torch towers, and they're basically there for travelers. I like it. They're uh, common for, like, large enough settlements. So they're not, like, everywhere, but, like, every major town and city would have them. And it and doesn't you... have to be, like, every culture. Maybe it's just, like, one culture or more. Fine. Is it, just like, a smoke signaling? Or uh, just the... Just I like that it is some sort of light. Yeah. Because even if they're not in a city or a town or anything, like, maybe they're on the path between 
two large kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Do you guys, I'm sure you've, you've played Minecraft. Have you ever, while exploring like the overland of a place, have you ever built a little dirt pillar and then put a torch on top of it so that at nightfall you could still find the path that could lead you back to your base or something? Sure. Yeah. Basically that idea, but like on a grander scale. Mm. I like the idea that since they do emit light, like they have to be manned. So, like, maybe roots aren't completely barren out in the middle of nowhere. Like, there's maybe a torch tower keeper. Reminds me of uh, Mulan, I think, with the Great Wall and them lighting up the different spots to, like, signal back and forth. And the Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, that too. Gondor calls for aid. Um, okay, <laughs> let me hit you with this for a name. Uh, tour Keeps. Tour Keeps? Yeah, uh, a synonym for tower can be Tor, just T-O-R. Oh, yeah. Like, Tor publishing, like they do fantasy novels a lot. So yeah. uh, another word for tower is Tor. So, like, barkeep, they can be Tor keeps. Interesting. <laughs> kind of yeah. sounds like a Pokemon, and, uh, but, I mean, I, I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> that's a good thing to start with. And, I mean, like, maybe if it's a more populated route, maybe uh, someone decides, hey, let me try and set up a little inn down here. Maybe I'll get travelers, uh, stuff like I'm that. I'm so glad you said that. I, I didn't write that down, but it was part of my thought process. I was like, you know what? I bet, like, little trader towns would probably spring up around the base of a torch tower that's been around long enough. Mm-hmm. And I bet, like, Especially, like that might be hunters in the area. towns and cities have started. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it could have been that there was a push like maybe this was an idea by some group of pioneers or maybe this was like some king like it, he had this realization of like like oh here's a cool thing we could do to like explore our territory and expand and so these people started going out building these towers just to uh to man them to, to be like maybe they started as like a border guard kind of thing or maybe they were there to like help spot monsters so they could like send word back to the kingdom or something but because these people were like living on the on the border and they would need to trade to keep them alive because there's people living in this tower then yeah like merchant caravans would come back and forth and then eventually like towns would just birth from that mm. it sounds like already we're at least some part of this world is very connected and almost modern with its trade and stuff i mean commerce is important for any city. yeah sure but, but if, i see what you mean yes yeah okay so uh getting to that like trade travel commerce i guess idea first point on my list is a large vast desert there might be towns surrounding northwest east south but smack dab in the middle is a large trade city because you have to go through it if you want any chance of survival in the desert and in this trade city there is a fighting tournament oh maybe because it's in the middle since it's in the middle of trade everything like everyone's close enough to it to attend yeah like a big old caravans of people would come by fast prizes etc Okay, why do they have to go... Is there, like, a special commodity that only they have, or is there, like, Uh, a license that they have to get? The idea, to answer Nick's question, would be that if you wanted to go around to go to other civilizations, uh, it would take significantly longer than going through, despite the fact you're going through a desert. Right. Okay. Okay, so it's it's not like objectively required that they go through it. It's more like it, it's a lot easier <laughs> to go through it. Yeah. But they could go around it if they had like a really compelling reason to yeah. do so. That just that just says to me that the, this desert is absolutely enormous. Oh yeah, big desert. <laughs> uh maybe like uh okay. some cool. other ideas I had yeah. for it, the town being founded on like a oasis, like a small bits of lake idea right Ooh, that's uh that works well with 
with something that I have, actually. Scroll around to that. I have a lot of these, so. <laughs> okay, yeah. A belief. Remember, that was one of the things on my list of potential things. So mm-hmm. um, there is some culture somewhere in the world or some faction or just some group, something. There is a belief that exists in this world somewhere, which basically boils down to, like, all is water. From it do we shape the world and ourselves, and to water one day shall we return. So basically like water worshippers out there in the world somewhere. I, I guess, Ooh, let me spring off that. So these, maybe that people doesn't exist from the desert, but a nomadic fanatic group a long time ago decided that that desert is a testament to, or could be a testament to how powerful their worship is. So they set out to make it an oasis to take over the desert. Maybe water. they set out to, like, prove themselves, like, how strong their hearts were and how strong their beliefs were that uh, if the gods yeah. willed it, they will find water, and they found the oasis in the middle of the desert. And have been actively trying to expand it, but it grew into a large city. Okay, so that, now this is cool, because if these are, like, nomads who are, like, known water worshippers, like, that was the whole point of their pilgrimage out into the world, and they found the oasis and founded this city, that this huge trade city, we could then go so far as to say that this trade city is a functioning theocracy. Like, mm-hmm. these merchant lords who rule this city might keep their faith alive. They enforce this faith among the people. I see. Maybe, like, their entire currency system is water. Because they're in a desert. Uh, that would be a, a very important commodity, yes. <laughs> so the Oasis is itself probably, like, under very strict guard. Probably. I imagine, like, uh, whatever... It's a- effectively their treasury. Right. I imagine, like, whatever king or ruler they have would be, like, right smack next to the actual Oasis itself. Oh, oh, his castle or fortress is built over top of the oasis. Oh, yeah, because the ruling party always wants to be close to their wealth. It's the symbol of their power. Right. Mm-hmm. It would be the same and thing. Plus, of the like... oasis would be also like just the direct symbol of their power. Right. Anyway. It would be the same thing of like making a giant golden castle, kind of. Yeah. So a a palace over the oasis. Okay. Do we want to expand on that uh, more, or cool. move to something else? Um, let's move to something else. Let's let's just keep this going. Okay. Anybody else have one? Want me to go again? Go ahead. Yeah, please. Because okay. I, I have way more than you, so feel free to start them whenever you want. True, sure. Let's see. Uh, second point, one of the cultures is underground, but specifically inside of a glacier. And glacier. going across the top of it, you would see giant, extremely deep ravines is carved out of it, and you could see, like, tunnels, and connecting the tunnels would be extremely rickety wooden rope bridges. Okay, so they're kind of like one of those see-through ant farms. Well, maybe, (laughs) depending on how, like, opaque the ice is. Sure. Okay, that's cool. But, like, if you're, like, walking up to this area, you just see either white or blue, almost mountain with swaying bridges just i i have a thing that might you you said the magic words mountains and swaying bridges <laughs> and uh i actually have just a three-word sentence here on one of my things is mountains sway sometimes Ugh, that's <laughs> terrifying. oh so the entire glacier 
has a movement to it. Yeah. Oof. The, the glacier itself moves. Mm. Maybe that's why they have to use, like, rope bridges, because they can't make, like, permanent stone bridges, because they'll get, like, torn apart by the shifting landmass. So they have to use something that gives instead. Yeah, maybe. Ooh, yeah. A whole society based around the fact that they live in, what like, effectively a fluid geography. Yeah. I mean, if... So, so they're a type of nomad, but they're not the one that moves. We have a lot of nomads. Well, what yeah. Nick is saying is That's kind right. of a joke, but... <laughs> well, I mean, they're very slow nomads. Yeah, like, to them, like, when they're actually living in sides, when they don't have to go across, like, my imagining of it, like, would be that they wouldn't go across the rope bridges that much. It would be kind of, like, different uh, neighboring towns. Oh, yeah. So, like, when they're, like, in one of the sides of the glacier, they would be moving, but they wouldn't notice it. Right, yeah. They would probably be really well fortified if they're living basically under a glacier. Oh, yeah. Especially, the idea of this was, like, you're an adventurer lost out in the snow, and you come across, like, a giant ravine. You look down, and there's all these bridges connecting the two sides underneath. Like, what the hell do you do? Are you thinking these are more, like, like a kingdom? Or are you thinking they're more, uh, for lack of a better analogy, like, Native American civilization? Sort of uh, like... Are you trying to say, like, a tribal civilization? Yeah, a tribal I civilization. I guess they would probably be fairly tribal, but, like, kind of a large number. Like I said, like, towns, and then after you go across a rope bridge would be another town, in quotations. Right. I like that. I, I keep... I, I come back... Coming back around to my original thing. What That's if, fine. for some reason... All of these towns, basically anywhere that life congregates, some supernatural force brings them there. And what if it's those underground golems, the massive underground titans? Uh, so I I like the I like the first thing. Yeah. But I feel like if we your second thing, like you brought up you brought up a cool mystery, and then you immediately answered that mystery. So it takes away adventure out of that. If no one knows why people just suddenly are, like, shifted to a different part of the world, then that could be something that you could look into. If everyone already understands why, then there would already be, like, measures being taken to prevent this from happening or to use it to their benefit. That's going to, like, sure, that, that could make things interesting, too, but it could also, like, really complicate. I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm saying that these... It's just a place of power, and the people don't know that those are under there. All they, they know is a, a town sprung up. Maybe I'm not, like, envisioning this properly. Give, like, me, give me an example. Like, okay, like, let's say an ancient, let's say a world of ice, and humanity on this world finds a warm spot. They don't know why it's warm. They just decide to start living there. Thousands of years in the future, they figure out underneath where they first established their first major civilization, there was a giant fire elemental living down there, sleeping, hibernating. Oh, okay. So, like, under each city is a dormant being of power, and that could lead mysteries towards what type of being, or what type of power do these beings have? Are they all the same and linked, or do they all have different ones, like different elements? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yes but to that. Yeah? If these things are, like, everywhere, then it creates a problem. Like, it's less special if these things are, like, everywhere. No, only the most, only the largest. Yeah, like, only the biggest cities, like, the most important, the most, like, legendary of um, cities and civilizations, capitals yeah. and things like that. And, like, possibly some other places as well. There's just not, like, <laughs> No, not just everywhere. Like, maybe... 
max 10 on the entire world. Well, maybe max maybe we don't know. Like five. Who knows? It could be more or less. Okay, let me let me ask you this. Let's put a number not on how many there are, but on how many are known, like Alex just, just threw out. Okay. So how many of these are known? What if publicly? they only know about one? Maybe that establishes where one of the major religions is based around. They so, know they can pull power from it somehow. I, I have something that, like, connects almost poetically. So this was one of my craziest ones, one of my, my biggest on, like, a size scale ideas and <laughs> one of my craziest things, but it, it fits in pretty well with this. You're talking about giant, powerful creatures dormant beneath major cities. Well, I've got one that's long ago, a giant creature appeared in the sky and slowly over many years devoured the moon, which bled. Ah. Uh. This was a dark age. Jeez. Shadows appeared soon after, like living shadows across the world. The creature that devoured the moon has now, like, it's gone dormant and has effectively just become the moon of this world. Hey. Ow. So, again, a giant creature that is dormant. It was just a little bit more, um, world-changing. All right, all right. How do you feel about that? I like it, and maybe there's a, a cult that maybe started as, you know, like, hey, that thing's, like, could be bad, definitely. We don't like that you're kind of, you know, worshipping it and trying to study it more. Uh, but maybe that happened so long ago that they're more accepted now. They understand that they're some, at least some of them, maybe even most of them, are trying to learn more about it. Did you say that the moon bled? That was kind of um an extra thing that I thought up after I wrote the rest of it. I was like, how can I make this, like, more eldritch horror-y? And so mm -hmm. I, I thought, like, what if the moon bled? Like, it turns out the moon was oh, itself here, here, a creature the whole okay, time. Okay, let's come back to that. Maybe the world has its own type of blood as a resource. Oh! Well, oh! Sick! I totally have a thing for that. <laughs> but for I but didn't like connect those. To, that's great. But like maybe this now dormant moon. Maybe that's one of the ways magic works. Here's an idea. Uh, maybe there's two like maybe not religions, but at least similar. One of them worships the thing that ate the moon, and one of them tries to collect the pieces of the moon that bled into the earth. Ooh. Okay. I definitely like the idea of uh, a cult that worships the moon beast. Wow, I just, there's a name. Moon <laughs> beast. Um, yeah, moon beast. Sounds like a blood <laughs> thing. And I feel like I should mention that if there is a cult worshipping the giant moon beast that ate the sky, then it feels like to me that there would just as justifiably be a group that worships the creature that's dormant beneath that major city. Uh, so, yeah, like, it's basically the, the people who worship the moon and the people who are like, no, Earth's better. <laughs> well, my, my idea was, well, I guess we have three now. We have people that worship the new moon beast, people that worship slash collect what was the moon and people that worship the thing under the earth. Right. And okay. there's a group that worships water. That oh, yeah. Founded a so desert for, training, for so. religions, so, at least. We already have okay, four religions. Okay, okay, well, how about this, then? Uh, this okay. was, I, I thought this would have been too specific, but now it's kind of working its way around. 
We have these religions. We have basically deities. What if the divine magic comes from these enormous creatures? So, like, mm. spellcasters or clerics and paladins that worship the moon beast draw their power from it. Ones that worship the one they know under a great city pull their power from that dormant titan. Yeah, I, I like this uh, this approach. The, traditionally speaking, divine magic in D&D is just defined as, like, if there is a creature that people worship, then, like, on some level it will have the capacity to bestow divine magic right. onto other, like, mortals. Okay. So, yeah, that that could function. Uh, I have another thing to add if we're okay on moving on. Sure. Okay. Uh, similar to that, this is the one of the only ones of mine that is has a re- religious element tied into it that I have. So, in a petrified forest slash swamp, where all the trees have turned to stone, a Medusa or Gorgon-like figure is worshipped as a god, and in this religion, gargoyles are the angels. Or similar. You know, the actual type of monsters could be shifted around a bit, but... Start at the beginning of that again? Petrified swamp? forest. Petrified swamp forest... Uh, okay. So like a like a fan. Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. What if? Okay. What? Where did this gorgon come from? Maybe it was a dormant thing that was brought back by a uh, something that I uh, forgot to mention is uh, my idea for this would be the sort of like stand-in, like typical death cult type thing, like Tomb of Annihilation for the setting. Okay. The like archetypal like death enemy that. You fight uh, in, like, a foresty, swampy area. I like the idea that, I mean, obviously, because I started with it, I like the idea that all of these great things existed in this planet previously, and it seems like maybe an old cult, or this one just awoken. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can we declare that uh, this Gorgon or Gorgon-like god entity creature thing, I would like to declare that this is the only one of these great beasts that is currently awake. Yes. Interesting. All the other ones are non-functional. I was also thinking possibly... Non-autonomous. Thinking possibly it's like an undead, maybe like maybe like a lich gorgon might be an interesting concept yeah then yeah. sure like we yeah that's that's fine i'm, I'm fine with you if you want to like detail that a well bit I, just, I, I don't think that that changes anything else sure. that we currently have so that that's good with me yeah just th- wondering what and you guys I, I do of. like the idea of like liches that aren't always wizards yeah you know? <laughs> it's a bit more flavorful this way yeah lich gorgon sick nice okay moving on Oh, I, this isn't one of my things. This is just like a a common thread that I'm picking up on here. So Nick, getting back to your original idea for a giant powerful creature that's dormant beneath a major city, like that's why a city was founded there. You said your example that you threw out was a huge like fire elemental because like that spot was really warm. So people settled there. Okay, cool. Like maybe there's a lot of hot springs or something. Nice. We have, if we go with that example, a giant fire elemental, a group of nomads who worship water fervently. We have now a lich gorgon with gargoyles as angels in a petrified swamp. So like a really solid stone theme going mm-hmm. there. Do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. Like we have like classical elements already represented as um 
a a whole cosmology theme. We do, yeah. Um, yeah. And I do have something for that. I have um, one of the first things that I wrote is that the most prominent faith is nature nature worship with no actual gods. Well, at this point, I'm going to throw off that last part. I I, I like um I like how we have these like these gigantic elemental forces and like we could change up this nature worship no actual gods thing I have to just like elemental worship. I like the mm. idea that the stone is connected with like the death cult because I feel like if we were doing elemental based things stone is kind of the weak link when it comes to ideas there. Yeah. So we already kind of connected this. But going back to not having a god, what if they do have no observable god? Like they believe their power comes from nature itself, but only but known wrong. only known to us making the world, there is some great elemental, some ancient being, dormant like all the others, minus one, that does give them that power over nature. So people are aware that these giant beasts, these great beasts exist, and people worship them. Like we've we've established that for at least two out of these three. Well, at least two um, of them are worshipped, yeah. At least two of them are worshipped, and if we include the moon beast as, like, that could be the, right. the, the sky, the air, wind, wind or, or actually beyond that, in the Greek elemental theme, we also have the fifth element, which was ether, which was basically Ooh. defined as, like, anything that was outside the sphere of Earth, which would include the moon. Well, I like ether magic as being Well, maybe a, we want to connect uh, ether magic to uh, the people that collect the old moon. Mm. Oh, uh, I, I did have something for that. Uh, one of my first things that I wrote down was discovery of a liquid metal being a huge, important thing for the like evolution of this world. There maybe that go. could be that. Maybe so the like, maybe that's what the moon yeah, bled. I like that, and possibly also the Earth's blood if we want to keep on that tangent. So two separate liquid metal sources. One Ooh. being obviously much more rare. So moon blood and Earth blood being mm. like two different kinds of liquid metal. Well, what about yeah. sun blood? Uh, that's a little complicated. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. Going back to uh, where this originally started, like at least three of them are worshipped and they get power from that, but. You don't necessarily have to know the deity for, say, the nature magic. Maybe just the idea of nature is strong enough for it to grant power. Kind of like how a sorcerer pulls arcane magic from just being gifted. So, like, someone who's just very attuned with nature and life can pull from this non-discovered being. Yeah, okay. So, like, almost like how wizards are trained, but sorcerers just, like, they just do magic. They're born with it. It's it's almost like that in a sort of divine sense that, like, yeah. you can, like, directly worship these things and you will draw power from them. But, like, there's some people who draw power as divine magic and, like, maybe they worship nature. They just don't know that, like, the patron of the particular nature theme that they follow is, like, this god, this creature so, that's So in this, this setting, power. I guess, druids, possibly rangers, are the sorcerers of the divine, then. Yeah, like, they don't have a deity. They know what they follow, what they do, but they don't have a direct god to pray to. Right, I like that. So they kind of, like, it's possible to be a follower of a god without knowing that you are. 
in this yes. sense. Yeah. I like the idea of this a lot, actually, because in every setting I can think of, everyone just knows, like, oh, I'm a cleric of whoever. But in this setting, it's possible to be like, I'm a cleric. I can and do this thing because I, I can that's do, how my power yeah, manifests. I, I have these fire powers, and that's cool. And then, like, that creates um, a conversation later on. Part of that character's story can be them learning the truth behind the origin of their power, being like, in this example, like like this huge fire elemental that's beneath right. that major city. They don't know it, they just, they're they're like, all their life is be like, Leia, warmth is really important to me. Fire is yeah, super right. important to yeah. everybody. I like fire a lot. Before we go on, I feel like we should, like, define which, uh, Things we already know about are connected to which like elements. So, as we're using five elements, including aether. Let's see. I think the one that we're missing is wind at the moment. I'm, I'm looking to see if I have anything to. Well, I think. Uh, but I think we want the moon beast being wind, and then I wanted to be ether. Well, what I said was, uh, the moon. If the moon beast is wind, then the people that collect the piece of the moon are ether. Or do you think they should be swished or? I feel I, like I think the people who collect the pieces of the moon shouldn't be like in I think the, that's uh, I I don't think that needs to be a magical thing. That could yeah. just be a separate cult that does okay. that. Or for that matter, um take a look at Avatar the Last Airbender for a parallel here. Like they have elemental bending, right? And then there also are other people. There are bloodbenders, which are like a special type of waterbenders, and there's metal benders, which are a special type of earthbenders. Sure. So like, it could just be that like these are different these people are dedicated to this liquid metal and not to like like maybe they're dedicated to something non elemental is what I'm saying. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Like maybe these are the arcane of blood. Yeah. That could work. Oh yeah, maybe. Like, yeah, the, the moon blood and earth blood could be how you use arcane magic. Oh, I like it. Okay, okay. Divine, so. Yeah, divine are from these massive creatures, and arcane comes from physical things. Yeah, that that's great. Okay, power. so uh, before we go on, let's define the elemental connections. So The wind. Uh, we have Lich Gorgon, earth. Earth and death, actually, both. Well, Maybe there's a yeah. story there yeah. as to why well, they're Well, death not being a, like, classical element, at least, but, yeah. <laughs> sure. I mean, we could also <laughs> do it, like, what, magic colors? There's five of those, right? <laughs> I guess. But, the, but, like, earth and necrotic? Um, I will point out, I have a um, very small background to this. I have researched a lot about um, elemental themes. I, when I was in college, I uh, wrote my thesis on what like what the intersection is between like religious rituals of death and the classical element theory. Hmm. Um, and something really cool is that different cultures define the primordial elements in different ways. So for example, the like Chinese, I think elemental collection does not include air, but does include metal and wood. Right. Oh, oh, uh, I just thought of this. What if there is no necrotic slash death and life slash radiant? What if every follower of the elements has their own interpretation of both? Hmm. I feel like that might get difficult with game mechanics. Yeah. So, so let's like say... there's good water and bad water, good fire and bad fire. What happens if you use no, good no, 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 fire no, no. and bad water? Let's say I'm a... or. It's more like a cleric of the fire god doesn't need to really choose individually curing and not curing. His god can do both because fire destroys 
as well as brings life. I see what you mean. Like, every god is, like, a duality. Yeah. Well, it's not like the gods are a duality, but their powers can be used in both. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I do like that, like, the gods are not inherently good or evil. They are powerful, and yes. their powers can be used for good. Mm-hmm. Yep. So in that way, you do get, like, radiant good guy divine power and necrotic bad guy divine power from the same god potentially right it all depends on how it's used and like and, the we, behind. and we can flesh out how oaths work for like or domains work for clerics later i just like the idea that i could be a cleric from the water worshiping desert people that can heal but guess what so can the ether cleric that worships the moon beast. We can both heal. Maybe like the ones that worship the moon beast are the because it the idea of a uh, aether isn't so well defined. That would be something that like would be represented in a more traditional cleric of life and death. Like an aether worshiper would be the one that would mo- more often cast like uh, radiant damage spells or necrotic damage spells as opposed mm. to fire aerith. Right. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Maybe they kind of like they focus more on on those energy types rather if, than the elemental energy types. What if ether followers are more powerful at night if they are magic? Um. Ooh. Like we don't have to flesh it out right now, game mechanics. But that's or maybe their necrotic magic is more strong at night, but their radiant damage is more strong in the day. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. So they are very duality oriented. Yeah, I, I basically want the moon beast, like the ether god, to be like the weird one, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is the one that's outside the normal cycle of things. This is the one that makes things weird and unbalanced. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, well, so we basically have an idea, like, we already have water worshippers. So, obviously, if they have divine magic, they have some form of chained up creature, dormant creature. For lack of a better term, let's call them elements or titans right now. Elementals. I actually have titans written as a thing. <laughs> All right. But, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. So, but wind. Wind's a hard one. Maybe, like, top of a mountain, like, in a mountain, but, like, really tall. <gasps> oh, I do have something for this. Okay. I, I want to preface this by saying that I we have sort of something, like, written for each of these already. We know they're water worshippers, and we know that they're, like, maybe that's tied into that oasis. Maybe maybe that's where that right. beast Ooh, is, yeah. if there is a beast for that. And we have something for fire, we have something for either the moon beast, but uh, we don't have anything for, for air yet. Um, I mean, we do have something for earth, but we don't have anything for air yet. And I have one thing written down here, but before I say that, I, I wanted to say, what if for air, we don't actually define it? Ooh. What if, like, okay. people theorize that there must be a god of the air, but no one has found Yeah, that and people yet. haven't found, like, the culture that uses, like, air magic either. Mm. Oh, but, it's uh, airbenders! <laughs> oh. <laughs> They're the ones that, uh, that are, like, reclusive yeah, and stuff. Um, and, like, or maybe, the, like, they don't um, even uh, are, like, brought up with a different understanding. They don't see air as an element either, so it's not like they're searching for it, waiting for it, they're just like if they were to encounter them, it would be like a jarring experience. See, I like this idea because places of people uh, organizing exist and show up around these places of power, 
we haven't found the air ones yet, that doesn't mean air magic doesn't exist in the rest of the world. Because yes. we already established that you can pull magic without knowing where it's from. So air magic like, practitioners are known and encountered. It's like, just no yeah. one knows. No oh, one's like confirmed source. Sure. Right. Or if anyone has confirmed the source, they keep to themselves. They haven't right. told anyone. Yeah, so it it's, a, like it's, it's secretive. All right, so air is secretive. Yeah. Um, we talked about so the whispers. thing that I have written down that might tie into this, I have one thing that might work with this. I have a sentence. Something in the sky takes people. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Maybe, I'm not sure if we should define it now, but, I mean, you, you started by saying that, like, maybe whatever beast they have literally just flies around the world. Yeah, so I, I've written down whatever it is, it sometimes just takes <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> And maybe this is maybe this is how those uh, reclusive sects of um, air god worshippers happen. Maybe, Ooh, like they're like aliens. Yeah, they get abducted and then they come they, back. Like, they abduct you, bring you up in this war in like their society, and then leave you to go or like place you back down. Maybe some people stay up yeah. there too. Yeah, maybe okay. some people get taken and they just stay gone. I like it. I like it. Cool. See, mystery, it's fun. Which yeah. I don't know what the sky god is. <laughs> I don't know what the sky we god might, is. There's a story We might figure there. out one session. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. All right. I, I did forget to write that one in. I like that the water god is in the desert. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, that's where that's where it's needed the most. Yeah. All right. Just like the, uh, the the fire god, you want it to be, like, in that cold so, place. Right? Like, that's how people right. found so it. So, for, right. for the listeners, what we have right now is the air elemental... The only god that's not been discovered yet, reclusive worshippers, uh, and whatever it is, sometimes it just takes people. For the Earth, yes. we okay. have the uh, Lich Gorgon uh, in the Petrified Swamp with Gargoyles, as I discussed earlier. This is the only animate one that we know of. Right. The air one, probably animate, considering it takes people, but anyway. I think I think the people take the people. Maybe. <laughs> we, we don't know. Who knows? For the fire one, that is the elemental that's under the glacier with the ravines and oh you want it to be there yeah tying in there it's kind of like a duality thing with also the water being the desert worshippers or not the desert well desert worshippers they're in the desert and are worshippers and they settle in an oasis (laughs) the desert and then the aether being connected to moon beast and having a duality of certain magic being powerful during day or night. These great god beasts, the elemental themes that connect them, and the dualities that exist like within each of them. This is really tasty stuff. I could really get into this world oh, already, yeah. like being a religion nerd. Anyway, uh, you were <laughs> going to say something about magic, right? Yes, I was going to revisit magic. This was... My first stopping point is I just wrote five things, and this was my fifth thing. Okay. Uh, and then my brain lit on fire, and I wrote 25 <laughs> things. Because um, that happens to me sometimes. But I wrote, I, I have a couple different things about magic, but this was the first one I wrote, and I think the strongest. Magic as poison. So the important thing about magic is not what it can do, but what its limitations are, what its costs are. That's what makes magic like more interesting. Right. Um, generally, magic, like you have like a limit to how many spells you can cast per day. That's the generic, vanilla, boring limitation to magic. And uh, my idea was that magic in this world is poisonous, and it's, it's understood to be. If you are a practitioner of magic, it will always end up killing you. 
if nothing else does first. Ah, I see. People who use magic do not die natural deaths. That sets up a really interesting idea that the old wizards studied a lot, but didn't use it themselves, presumably. Yeah, and um, I think it can it can tie into the gods that we've made here. They're just really powerful. They're not inherently good and mm-hmm. evil, but because like people worship them or just worship like their portfolios, like whatever elemental theme that they have dominion over. But because they're just powerful and not inherently good and evil, maybe these gods being like great elemental beasts, maybe magic to them is like a way of feeding. Yes, I was about to say, what if what if that's why people die? They're basically trading their life force over time to the gods in exchange for magic. Hmm. Oh, maybe that's why the Gorgon awakened in the past. Maybe a lot of people used. Her maybe as a like source of magic. Yeah, maybe like oh, while, yeah. uh maybe yeah, like while uh the foundations of civilization were just springing up, people had to use a lot of uh earth magic. Or just started using it, because remember, you can use it without right, knowing. Right, that's that's there. what I mean. Like when yeah. you know, people were starting construction everywhere in the world. Maybe it was the first discovered divine magic. Maybe. Ooh. Okay, neat. We could game mechanic this, just throwing it out here, even though it's so early. What if you can cast past your daily limit of spells, but every time you do, you gain a level of exhaustion? Ooh. Whoa. So you can cast five more spells Eek. in your daily limit. That's 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 so easy to work with. Like, the no, the levels of exhaustion you take are equal to the level of spell that you cast. Jeez. There you go. Warlocks are a little you screwed. Get, you get... You get, well, you get one six-level skill. <laughs> well, well, maybe you... we can, like, make class features and feats and items and stuff that can kind of, like, well, diminish the, the punishment for that. Yeah. Well, also, remember, warlocks are arcane. And we've kind of already touched on arcane being, like, the planet's life. Well, warlocks life. are a little different. We might have to... Well, wor- worry okay, about... warlocks can be their yeah, own thing. maybe. <laughs> yeah. We we can visit the specifics of yeah. like game mechanics later. Sure. This this is <laughs> I don't think this session is for determining game mechanics. <laughs> right. right. But this yeah, is for like, inventing the world. I like that magic takes back. Uh let's see. If we're uh done with talking about magic for a little bit, I had an yeah, idea yeah, for uh, maybe smaller civilization than most others, but it would be a less magic inclined city slash nation, more scientific more industrious if we want to go there. But the thing about it is this civilization is their morals are a little bit skewed. Most people there are pretty happy, but they're kind of up and about experimentation. And the caveat to this is that one of the races was made there by eugenics. What? So this is a more technologically advanced area, city, but they've... Like mechanical or uh, science and like a uh, like like the real world, you know. If we we don't have magic, so sort of the way uh, Western civilization rose. So, are you saying there's a robot? No, 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 eugenics, as in so grown breeding and experimentation. So, like with dogs, sure, but it's a oh okay. They presume themselves as a higher being, a higher being, like. Like these would be your hoity-toity high elves that I was only about breed to say, with other high elves. elves. Maybe, maybe like high <laughs> elves, and then the 
because they live so long. So they have like more opportunities to like they're they're more intelligent people live a lot longer. So they have a lot more opportunity to do things with their lives. Maybe that's why this culture is so much more advanced than others. Okay, so elves in this setting, at least this group of elves, is non-magical in culture. because you set- started that way. Yeah, or perhaps started that way, but most of their culture has been. I was thinking uh, trying to come up with. The I was thinking one that since you mentioned elves, one of the things I had suggested is whatever race made a different race, that different race could be elves because there's so many different breeds of elves. It would be like selective breeding. I was going to say that like maybe high elves are this race, and then each of the other sub races are the ones that they have created. Yeah, that too, maybe. And maybe. Yeah, and maybe uh, over millennia or however long, they've pushed out all the non-high elves. I'm imagining they're, at least as a culture, very uh, racist. <laughs> I don't know. Why, why would they push them out if they spent all that time and energy and resources into creating Yeah, maybe they're more like... They could, uh... if, if they're xenophobic, but they make these things, then that would be like instant servants and slaves. Oh, yeah, yeah. my idea was yeah, that right. at least at some point they would be servants types. Hmm. So the different sub-races of elves have higher Yes, and they were literally created by high elves. So I'm starting to get the, the feeling that elves are not good people, generally. In this at world. least, at least not as a whole. Elves aren't good people like, in any fantasy setting, really, if you look into uh, it. I disagree. <laughs> I, like, okay. I, like I like where they come from, though. I like that they set out to make themselves perfect. Hmm, okay. I have a few things that are, yeah, like, racial add-ons. Yeah, let's keep it going on racing. Okay, so I've got one. Uh, I have written here, at least one culture, in this case we could be this one or a different one, believes that anything intentionally made to be lasting, such as writing, instead of just talking, is unnatural and dangerous. So they're kind of like... Like it uh, captures a part of your soul or something. So they're kind of like, I'm not sure if this is the right word, but like conservative in the way that they don't leave marks on the world. Like they embrace being temporal beings. Yeah, they they don't want to like leave footprints or uh, anything like that. Like any kind of legacy that they might leave behind would be like unintentional. I feel, I feel like that's not the high elves because they're trying to create the perfect race basically. yeah i agree I, maybe it they're, they're trying to make industrious high elves yeah they're trying to make a lasting impact maybe that would be something that would be good for the air culture if there is such a thing oh that might be like part of the reason why it's been so hard to find proof of this oh thing. oh yes there's no holy text or anything like that there's no physical evidence to speak of they don't <laughs> make idols to this thing yeah i like that or kind of trying to keep with classic races here to make it easy how about here's something what if the most elusive race or culture we already talked about this is air what if they're the humans i like this idea oh i like this what if it makes humans a lot more interesting than like their default setting yeah but alternatively the thing about it is that like uh if we talked about them taking people like maybe like tying that culture with a race doesn't make as much sense you know if they take people yeah. to... And- okay, okay, then. What if the original air cult were humans? Like, it started with humans, but it's it's become more than that. At this yeah. Point. So there aren't any more humans, or the only humans that exist well, are... Well, remember, I'm just saying, like, what if the original ones are humans, and they took other races up, 
and of course sent other humans down, they're still very secret. So humans are extremely and, rare to like find. Well, right. it doesn't it well, doesn't necessarily have to be that. I think what I think what Nick is saying is that part of the history of humankind has to do with worshiping this sky god. Yeah. That it the two were involved in each other's like origin story, so to speak, for the purpose of the the setting of and, this world. But at, at that, this point, you could encounter humans, and there are non-humans among the air worshippers. And there are humans that were born and grew up on the planet, never being influenced by that culture. Like, yeah. s- say, two humans from the air culture had a kid, and they their kids had kids, and blah 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 blah. Eventually, people stop talking about the air culture because it's secret. Okay. <laughs> So humans are rarer than a classic fantasy setting. So the air god is tied in with the like ancient history of humans. Hey guys, post-production Alex here. We decided to split this first trial episode up into two parts, about an hour long. Instead of having an almost two hour long episode, let us know if you like this idea. You should also be able to find part two wherever you found this one, it would be weird if you couldn't. I'd also like to remind you that we record the Late Night Dice podcast live on Twitch. Usually the stream will be on my channel, twitch.tv slash bluecobalt120, but in case it isn't, I will be sure to host whatever other channel it is on. We do not currently have a schedule for recording, but if you follow me on Twitter, at Alex underscore Durham 120, I will tweet out sometime before the show, usually at night, pretty late, you know, with dice. Anyway, thanks for listening.